Again, those are hypotheticals. Those are some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down those roads right now. Again, you know, um, hypotheticals. Yeah, I'm not going to get into individual contracts. Uh, again, those, those aren't things that I would speak about here. Yeah, again, another hypothetical. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. You know I love Twitter. This is the place that I love. It's the place that I like to spend the most time. Uh, it's it's what Minecraft used to be. Like when we were younger and we played Minecraft, we would be in our Minecraft world. It might have been as real life. Felt like that. You know, ask kids who play Fortnite these days. I, I want to go to that Fortnite island. I want to be there. That That's a real place. I like spending time there. I like spending time on Twitter, except for when there's historical events going on. Like there have been about the last 24 hours in Ukraine. I just, I, it's memes and sports and then also tragedy and explosions and death and conflict. I'm not enjoying it. Uh, so I put out a show tweet today, kind of previewing, outlining what we're going to do. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. This is, this is the worst when we have real life historical events playing out, which by the way, we keep having. Why do we have so many historical events packed into the last three or four years? I mean, like when I was in school, we learned history. Like in one semester, you'd start in the 1700s, you'd go to the 1800s, Civil War, Gilded Age, Imperialism, World War One, Roaring Twenties, World War Two, Cold War. Like you'd make your way through in a couple of months. I feel like you could do two months of classes in history going seriously from 2016 to now. You could do a whole semester on that. Yeah, you could do two semesters. You could do a whole year. Sick of all these historical events. It is a bummer. It, it has been weird trying to plan a show uh, and talk about things as trivial as Aaron Rodgers and his relationship status when there's an actual armed conflict going on. So I know we're all thinking about that a little bit. I don't really know what to say about it. I don't know how to feel about it. I, I just think we're, we're all living on the edge a little bit, and that's okay. We don't need to address it. But it has been weird being on Twitter, planning a show, and trying to do sports things today. But it's not the first time that's happened in the last couple of years, like I said. Living through a lot of historical events these days. My name is Grant Bills. This is the Wisco Sports Show. Hope you're getting by. You've had an okay day. Thanks for being here. Cover a lot of ground tonight. No guests. Mm-mm. Not a single one, which means plenty of time for you to join in. If you want to talk about last night's Badger game, plenty of time to join me. If you want to talk Packers, yeah, we'll get there. I want to do a couple other things first, but we will eventually get to the Packers. I want to talk about the wide receivers. I weirdly think this Aaron Jones extension is related to the Packers wide receiver situation. And I want to talk about that. I have some thoughts on MVS, who is an unrestricted free agent. He was hurt, missed a lot of time this last season. So we almost forget about MVS, but he's an interesting story that we need to talk about and follow. So I want to talk about that. I also have a take when we've talked about Aaron Rodgers' decision, he needs to make this decision. I keep asking, well, what decision does he have to make? Well, what's going on? Well, what is he choosing? He's not going to retire. Well, maybe I'm starting to understand. I have a theory as to what Aaron Rodgers is trying to decide to do or not to do. And we'll do that at 4.30. I want to start my favorite segment of the week, the NBA Lounge. And I'll explain how that's going to work here in a second. Give me a call or a text, 608-796-2558. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. Really good ways to get involved with the show. If you want to call me, I'm not going to take calls for the first 15 minutes of the show. It's a ground rule we have here. You got to give me 15 minutes, lay the groundwork, get things established, get a little bit of a base camp set up. 
so then we can have conversations. Otherwise, somebody's going to call in and be like, hey, you know, is Jacoby Neath going to be a good four-year player for the Badgers? I'll be like, well, I wasn't planning on talking about that today. I don't want the show to get derailed right away. So you can text me anytime, tweet me anytime, uh, but if you're going to call, just give me 15 minutes to kind of get things set up a little bit. For the last two months or so, we've started every Thursday show with the NBA Lounge. It's a sanctuary for us fans of the association, right? Talk about the league, chop it up over some interesting storylines and some games. And I don't think we've missed a single Thursday since we started doing this. Not even for breaking news, not even for breaking Packers news. I think we started shows and saying, hey, I know there's some Packers news, but first we're going to do the NBA Lounge because this is a show of tradition and routine, right? As a host, I'm a, I'm at a bit of a crossroads here I'm trying to figure out what to do because the All-Star break started last Friday. There haven't been any NBA games for a week. So I'm trying to figure out what to do. But they don't pay me the uh, the medium bucks for nothing. I came up with an idea during the Wisconsin-Minnesota game last night. I sat down, and a couple minutes in, I decided I'm going to try to watch this game as if it's an NBA game. I'm going to pretend I'm watching an NBA game. And I wrote down a bunch of bullet points, and I'm hoping that watching that game like an NBA game, not just a college game, helped me draw some different conclusions. Maybe we learned something new about the Badgers watching from a different perspective. So... Let's start. This is our first ever college basketball NBA lounge. I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this goes. If it's a train wreck, well, fine, because we're probably not going to do it again <laughs> until maybe next year at the All-Star break. Wisconsin won last night. They won by one point. This Minnesota hit a buzzer beater three to make it look a little closer, although it's kind of lame to say, well, they won by more than one. They should have won by four. Well, okay. Basically a one possession, one and a half possession game either way. Badgers won 68-67. Tyler Wall was great. Stephen Crow was great. Johnny was fine. Fouled out. Jordan Davis picked up the slack a little bit. I want to get into some specifics. I watched this game as if it was an NBA game. My first NBA observation would have been, gee, these guys suck at shooting. <laughs> one, one weird thing of this game, if you look at the shooting splits for Minnesota... They hit 42% of their threes, but only 46% from the field. So they're 8 of 19 from 3, 23 of 50 from 2. Very odd. Now, I think their three-point numbers were buoyed a little bit. They hit a couple lucky heaves. My opinion, lucky heaves at the end of the shot clock. They hit a bank shot three in the second half, too. So I think that bumped the number up a little bit. But if if I was watching this as an NBA game, my first thought would be, the Gophers really suck at shooting. Shooting shooting 46% from the field. Although the college kids suck at shooting take. It's a little petty. But I just wanted to get that jab in there before we move on. A few NBA-style characteristics that I noticed from Wisconsin. There aren't many, but I, I think I found a few. Steven Crowell was their most important player last night. Probably their best big last night. He had 20 and 7. Played 31 minutes. He had a three-pointer. Made almost all his free throws. Really important. But for the sake of this conversation, an NBA-style conversation, I want to talk about Tyler Wall, who's not seven foot like Stephen Crowell. He's 6'9". A little bit smaller. And there were stretches last night where Tyler Wall was playing the five or the de facto center. Was he playing the center pure and true to form? No, but he was acting as the center when he was out there when there was no Stephen Crowell who played 31 minutes or Chris Boat played a little bit, played nine minutes. But Tyler Wall is pliable enough to play the five. And when he's out there, they can put him on the perimeter. He's probably not going to shoot, although he did attempt a three last night. 
But when Tyler Wall is the biggest body on the floor, can move him out to the perimeter, and there's a lot more room for Johnny Davis to operate. Johnny Davis can get on a smaller defender and get inside. They have a couple of chances last night for dump downs, post-entry passes to Johnny. Didn't take him, but they were there. Maybe that's something they look forward and, and look to exploit moving forward. On offense, Tyler Wall played just big enough to score. They put Eric Curry on him. Eric Curry's 6'9". He's a true center. He's a big boy. Tyler Wall's a little undersized. And he was still getting buckets, hitting tough hook shots, little sky hook. His sky hook almost looked like it looked like a dad in the driveway, just throwing it up over the shoulder. He played really well last night. So positioning-wise, Tyler Wall at the five leaves a lot of room for Johnny Davis. That's a small ball lineup. We see that a lot in the NBA now. And on offense, if he's handling the ball, he was good enough to score on a player that's a little bit bigger than him. So Tyler Wall playing the five, even though he was the lone five you know, for, for minimal stretches last night, still something interesting that I saw from an NBA perspective. Also, when Tyler Wall was playing center, they didn't give up much in the way of rebounding. So if they're making life easy for Johnny, Tyler Wall is holding his own offensively against bigger, stronger centers, and they're not getting killed on the glass, we're onto something. We're playing small. Wall had 10 rebounds. Six of them were offensive boards. Now, Minnesota's not an especially big team, and I was filling in on our morning show here in lacrosse this morning, and I said, last night was the outlier. Wisconsin was bigger. They out-rebounded. They got second-chance points. They got paint points. Not going to be the case against Purdue or Michigan, Michigan State, or certainly not Illinois with Kofi Coburn, but against Minnesota last night, it worked. And Tyler Wall, even playing an undersized center, Got 10 rebounds, six on offense. But most importantly, the team rebounded really well. They out-rebounded Minnesota last night, 38 to 19, including 10 offensive boards. Six of them were from Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall is not an unbelievable rebounder individually. He's not Dennis Rodman. He's an undersized, offensive, geared forward, just big enough to fake it as a center in stretches and in certain situations and lineups. But the team last night, as a collective unit, Rebounded really well with him out there. And this is an NBA concept. Think of one player's impact on the team rather than one player's individual statistics. So if we want to talk about whether or not a player is a good rebounder, let's not look at the player's rebound totals. Let's look at how the team does when that player is on the floor. Now, a couple of weeks ago, it might have been two months ago, I think it was in December, we had Seth Partnow on. He just came out with a new book. It's called The Mid-Range Theory. You should read it if you haven't. He used to work in the Bucks front office. Now he writes for The Athletic. And I remembered this excerpt from his book. And he talked about when the Bucks brought in Brooke Lopez on the biannual exception or the mid-level exception or whichever one it was. And I'm going to read this to you because Brooke Lopez plays into this idea of team stats are more important than individual stats. Here's, I'm, I'm reading now. Quote, in terms of rebounding, Brooke Lopez was nearly a perfect example of the difference between individual and team stats. He might have grabbed, uh, he might not have grabbed many rebounds himself, but his team always ended up corralling the bulk of misses while he was on the floor. Here's the number that really makes it pop. Among 100 eligible centers who played at least 2,500 minutes over the five seasons before Brook Lopez got to Milwaukee, Brook Lopez ranked 94th in defensive rebounding percentage. 94 out of 100. Individually, very poor. One of the worst. But over that same period, he was rated as the sixth most positive, impactful player on his team's defensive re rebounding. And that's a little bit more of a complicated number. It's from regularized adjusted plus minus technique, which is abbreviated as RAPM. That's not the point. We don't need to get bogged down in the titles or the stats or whatever. Some of these things I don't even understand. The point is 
Brooke Lopez by himself, the rebounding numbers don't pop. But when he's on the floor, his team does a really good job rebounding. And last night, I think a little bit of that idea was at work with Tyler Wall. Tyler Wall is undersized. I don't even know that he's that great at positioning with rebounding. But last night, he found ways to get to loose balls, get a hand on a loose ball to tap it out to someone else. I mean, that's how the Badgers locked down the game. He tapped the ball out to Brad Davison on the perimeter to secure an offensive rebound. When the Badgers were up, were they up two at the time? Were they up three at the time? I don't remember, but he tapped it back out. That's an example of an individual player who's no Dennis Rodman, who's not putting up double-doubles every night like he did last night, but has a positive impact on the way his team rebounds as a whole. And that jumped off the screen to me last night, and I wanted to bring it up because that fits exactly what I'm trying to do here. Taking an NBA idea, an NBA way of thinking, and applying it to the Badgers. And I think it really works for Tyler Wall in the way that the team rebounds with him on the floor, whether he's playing the four or they're playing a smaller lineup and he's at the five. Now, defensively, something that I noticed, especially in the, the first half, Wisconsin had a couple of sets where they fell into drop coverage. I don't think they were specifically dialing up drop coverage, but it's is what it's amount to. Amounts to? Can't speak today. Well, the point guard's got the ball. They bring him a screen. The center follows the screener and they switch. So now the center is dropping back on the ball handler, kind of drop coverage, I say loosely in quotes, and then the ball handler's going with the big. There were a couple of instances where the Badgers got into a situation like that and it didn't work great. I also think the Badgers came into this game a little bit sluggish. They gave up a couple of free runs at the rims and I know at one point, one of the announcers was like, yeah, Greg Gard ain't gonna like that. Minnesota got a couple of dunks. One of them was un- uncontested, a couple layups. Like it, it just, it wasn't great. And that's when they got stuck. When there was a screen and roll at the top of the key and they had to switch and they put their big in a little bit of a disadvantageous position. Now, Wisconsin doesn't have to get in looks like that very often because Chucky Hepburn can get over any and every ball screen that's thrown his way. That's a huge advantage defensively. And you see it in the WEAC all the time. If you go to UWL Claire, UW Lacrosse, you go to a Platteville or a Stevens Point game, watch the defensive moves of someone who's guarding a ball handler in a pick and roll. They will get over ball screens in the WEAC like something that you won't see in the NBA. Because in the NBA, they'll just switch everything. They don't overcomplicate it. But Chucky Hepburn can get over a ball screen in a way that I I don't know the last Badger I, I saw get over a screen like he can. You see it in the WEAC, but that's a different level of basketball completely. Because of Hepburn's ability to stick with his original guy, even through screens, The Badgers don't get put in a bad situation defensively a whole lot. They did a couple of times in the first half and it didn't go well, but I also think that was paired with maybe maybe sleepwalked into this game just a little bit, especially on defense. Lastly, one NBA thing I'd love to see that the Badgers don't do, and I don't think they will ever, but God, I'd pay to see it. Mix in some two-man pick and roll plays for Johnny Davis and Chucky Hepburn. Not all the time. Certainly doesn't really fit with the swing, But in crunch time moments, when the shot clock is low, or when you need a bucket, let those two go to work here and there. Because so often, especially last night, I saw Johnny Davis starting with the ball in the corner. And now he's got his back to the basket. He's backing a guy down and it's very slow and it's very predictable. And the defender has more time and has a better opportunity to size him up and position himself. If you get guys moving and you're bringing Hepburn out on a screen or even Brad Davison and you're letting Johnny Davis get the ball moving towards the rim, he's great slipping to the rim. He's always looking for the ball, always with a hand in the air. Wish the Badgers did that a little bit more. And I absolutely trust Chucky Hepburn to facilitate those kinds of plays because he never turns the ball over. He's so clean with it. 
So I think just here and there, strategically, let those two cook in the two-man game. I think it would be really fun to watch, and I think it would give them a really dangerous wrinkle. Just another way to help Johnny Davis be successful. And that gets harder to do every game because teams are going to continue to key on him and work harder and harder to shut him down. How'd that go, by the way? Was that interesting? Was that worthwhile? Way to keep our NBA segment, but also talk about the Badger game last night. I thought it was a nice mix. I'm almost afraid to look at the texts. I see we have a few. 608-796-2558. Going to come back, talk more about this game, hear a little bit from Greg Gard as well on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. Thanks for being here. Brett and Eau Claire. Which, by the way, Brett, I think it was you that recommended a college basketball lounge. Yeah, it was. I was growing up in your text. That's kind of what we did today. Start the show. NBA lounge, but we talked about a Badger game instead. Using, hopefully, some NBA perspectives. Hopefully gave us a different look at the game, right? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Trying my best. Brett says, well, going off your wall topic, wall to me is going to play a similar game in a similar way that Bobby Portis does for the Bucks. Yeah, exactly. Same kind of thing. He's got post moves. Bobby can post a guy up, and he can mess around down on the block, but he's also small enough, quick enough, versatile enough to get outside. What Tyler Wall can really use is a mid-range shot. I know we all obsess and focus on, especially our bigs being able to shoot the three, and he can't shoot the three. He took one last night. It's not his thing. If he could pull up from 12 feet away, and it forces defenders to come out and be on him, that just that would make such a difference. There were so many times last night where Wall had the ball, and before backing himself around and trying to get down to the block, I'm like, shoot it, pull up. But then I'm starting to realize, eh, a jumper isn't there yet. Brett Noclair also says, Grant, it's the end of days. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, man, it's feeling like that. At least we can complain about Big Ten refs. What about that block charge call on Davison last night in the second half, huh? What a load. Do you see the jump ball call that crew made? With Davidson driving on the floor, took two points off the board. What in God's green earth were those refs on last night? I, I don't, and I was watching by myself. And typically when I watch a game by myself, maybe I'll yell at the TV a little bit. Last night, I'm like, what am I watching? What am I seeing? And of course, both teams were in the bonus with like 10 to go. I've been up at 445 every morning this week because I'm doing the morning show too. And I'm like, I just want to go to bed. I got home. No one was at the house. I just, hey, watch the Badgers, go to bed. Easy night. And of course, of course, the refs had to put both teams in the bonus with 10 minutes to go. And I'm looking at my watch thinking, yep, this is going to go until 10:15." So I had extra time to go on Twitter and look at the events unfolding as Brett calls him the, uh, the end of days. Yeah. We're talking a little bit of all these, uh, these historical events we're living through getting kind of sick of it. And I, I don't mean that in an insensitive way, but it's just like the world's speeding up. Got to calm down and, and figure our, you know, what out a little bit. Dean and Eau Claire says, Regarding history, the 20 most recent years, most important and relevant to students is rarely taught. Curriculum should start at present and work its way backwards. That's a good point, Dean. I'm going to lean back and think about that for a sec. Hold on. Let's th- let's see. Let's let's talk about that. If if that's how history class works, 
so we're going to start in, let's say history class started in 2020 and worked its way back. You'd hammer the last 20 years, which I think are pretty important. I, I don't know if we talk about and teach about the last 20 years, like everything going on in the Middle East. You'd be amazed. I, I feel like I don't even understand the Middle Eastern conflict as well as I should. Now, we all know about how the French and Indian War started and all those reasons. If you took a push, you got to get into the three reasons the French and Indian War started or, uh, you know, the reasons why World War One started, right? You had your imperialism and uh, building up of the navies and the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. Like, we all got that. Why does the Palestinian conflict exist, right? Like, what's Putin's deal? What about, you know, what about post 9-11? How, we don't talk about or teach about the last 20 years. That's a good point, Dean. There's so many, there's so many historical events. Like, kids with textbooks in 50 years are going to look back at the 2020s and be like, holy balls. What a decade. That's going to be That's going to be a fun unit to learn about. If anyone is still around to learn about things at that point. We started the show with a Badger's Lounge type of thing. I do want to talk about this game normally, too. I don't want to turn it into a bit. Jordan Davis was great last night. That was really cool to watch. It was really cool to see him do his thing um, and have his moment after his brother fouled out. Yeah, he didn't score 20 points, but they don't win that game without him. So I want to talk about that a little bit coming up next. First, to the phones. 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? This is John. How are you? John, what's going on? I am I'm fine, given hey, everything not, going on. <laughs> not too much. Actually, John, John from south of Eau Claire. Yeah, we had a couple texts in for you. I appreciate you reading them. Hell yeah. Thanks, John. What's going on? What do you know? Well, I remember you probably had about, uh, not quite a month ago, there was a, a person that you had on that was talking about how Tyler Wall was the most important person on the Badgers. Yes. You know, other than Jonathan Davis and other than Davidson and, and those guys. And I think last night kind of proved it a little bit more that, you know, the, when the ball works through him and it goes through him, every, it just makes everybody that much better and even more open to be creative. I think that was Ben Kenny, and he's on vacation right now, but I'm going to text him either way because he'll appreciate people remembering. I think he said Tyler Wall's their most important player. Johnny Davis is their best player. Something I noticed in the last two Correct. minutes after maybe it was it was even before he got fouled out. It wasn't just once Johnny fouled out, but in the last couple of minutes, I thought the Badgers did such a good job moving the ball around. Like it, it moved quickly from guy to guy. It wasn't just Johnny or Davison or Wall going one on one and trying to do an ISO thing. Correct. Yeah, I think when the ball goes through him, he, he creates people on top of him like that, and he's such a good passer also that he, that the ball, when the ball moves through him, it just creates more offense just in general. I think so. I, I think when the offense is centered around him, we, we need to talk about this more. John, I'm glad you brought this up. John from South Eau Claire, everyone. I appreciate the call, John. And I'll let Ben know that you remembered his take. He'll love that. All right. Sounds good. Thanks. Yeah, have a good night. That's John in, in South Eau Claire. There's an interesting... So to bring this back to the NBA, because... I'm thinking about Nikola Jokic, right? Or even Embiid to a degree, but a much lesser degree than Jokic or Giannis. When you think about the way basketball works now, and I think this started with Harden, not so much with Curry because Curry moves so much. I, I don't know if he had this impact on the game, but what people realize watching Harden is that if you get one guy who's a brilliant offensive creator and you put shooters around him and you just spread out and you let him go to work, Really high usage rate, lots of shot attempts, lots of free throws. Right, you, you can run an offense that way. You don't even need a second superstar. If you have Harden and Eric Gordon and Clint Capella and Robert Covington, you can get to a conference finals, assuming your one player is this transcendent star. And, and, 
Of course, now as this style has developed the last couple of years, we saw the Bucks do it with Giannis, who's much bigger than Harden, plays a different position. And I think the Nuggets with Jokic to a degree too. So you now have in this heliocentric era of basketball, the best player on a team like Giannis or Jokic, who's huge, who's big. But Giannis and Jokic are both such great passers. And Tyler Wall is not good relative to his team and league the same way these NBA players are. But when Tyler Wall's parked on the block and everything is moving around him, including Johnny Davis, I think he does a really good job surveying everything around him and where players are moving and where they're headed and kind of calculating, okay, I'm backing down, backing down, looking around, looking around. I know he's cutting here. He's moving here. Where can I get the ball moving to? Where can I send the ball to get this offense rotating in the right way? Almost as a point guard on the block. And Tyler Wall, when he's down there and he's backing a defender down and he's more than capable offensively, he was scoring over a bigger guy yesterday. But also is a great place for the offense to start. He can initiate the offense from down on the block, like some of these passing bigs that I'm talking about in the NBA. Tyler Wall really has this interesting effect on this team. And Ben Kenny's take from a while back that he is the Badgers' most important player, but Johnny Davis is their best player. I don't know. They're both really good. They're both really important. But watching Tyler Wall kind of orchestrate things as everyone else revolves around him in the closing minutes last night, really important. I'm glad John South Eau Claire pointed that out. Let's take a break. We'll talk a little bit more about the Badgers coming up next. I want to do some Packers stuff before 5 o'clock as well. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. show with all of the horrendous news the last 24 hours let me provide some good news jeff passan espn covers baseball great reporter tweeted meetings are done progress was minimal there are four days left for major league baseball and the mlbpa to get a new labor deal or regular season games are going to be canceled they've had four days to move and there's been next to nothing just incremental and that's that might be asking Grant, where's the good news? There isn't. I don't know why I led you on like that. I'm sorry. That's bad news. They're going to miss games. I kind of think this is what the owners want, to be honest. Feels very 2020-ish in that the owners say they want to play, but I'm not sure that they do. Like, they'll probably save a little money by cutting out however many games are cut out. Right? It's probably less money off of their payroll. And the players, I'm sure, want to play, but the the players... I don't know. I haven't read enough about this to comment even what the players are about. I don't I don't think the owners want to start the season on time. I think they'll save money if they don't. This feels exactly like the first pandemic season. This will be the third. I'm, I'm talking about the first, the first pandy season when it was delayed for what felt like all summer. And I don't really think the owners really wanted to start the season on time. I think they were okay to postpone it. We're talking Badgers. Beat the Gophers last night, 68-67. It wasn't a final possession game in that way. It did come down to the wire, but the Gophers hit some quote-unquote garbage time shot to make it a four-point game to a three-point game. Jason, Lower Tainer Lake. Hello, Jason. Texts in 608-796-2558. Says, is Greg Gard Big Ten Coach of the Year? You know, the announcers brought this up last night. It was Corey Provis and Robbie Hummel. I think he's got to be, right? Because Coach of the Year is, is not the most successful coach it's not the coach of the most successful team or the most successful player. 
it's the coach that performs best relative to expectations, right? Which is why is that, who won coach of the year in the NFL? They announced that, right? Why don't I remember? That's why Zach Taylor probably, I don't remember who, I'll look it up. I, I feel like this is something I absolutely need to know. NFL 2021 coach of the year. Who was it? Oh, it was Mike Vrabel. Okay. Well, Mike Vrabel, given all the injuries, his team performed really well. So relative to expectations, given circumstances, that makes sense for Mike Vrabel. Greg Gard's team was picked to finish near the bottom of the Big Ten, if not at the bottom of the Big Ten. And they are now tied for the lead in the Big Ten. So I think when you factor expectations, preseason expectations for this team, Greg Gard has outperformed expectations and done more with less compared to any other coach in the Big Ten. So Coach of the Year works. So I think right now he's got to be front runner for Big Ten Coach of the Year. I don't really know what anyone would do to supplant him either. Got a really impressive season. Binks is calling in on French Island. I'm assuming he wants to complain about baseball. Binks, what's going on, buddy? Oh, uh, you know what? I want to find a solution. I, I'm done complaining about it. Yeah. Because this could have been done. I mean, how many 15-minute meetings can you have? So I'm going to yeah. call the guy out. I think the only guy that can solve the problem is your buddy down in Monona. Dave? He can tell, sure. He can tell it to <laughs> uh, the players and the owners as it is. That's very and true. I know he's not a he's he's not a Brewer fan, but back in your very young days, you got to remember that Ben Miller Park was and is a t- partially tax uh, payer funded stadium. Yep. So who is uh, who's got the right to complain more than anybody is the fans. It's us. And yeah. So. That's my take on it. Uh, I'm, I, I love the Brewers. I always have. I always will. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to see me down there that much, especially watching uh, country music. So yeah. can I, I uh, can I ask you a question, Binks? Because I know you're a baseball yeah. lover, like I am. And this is something I've yeah. I've been thinking about. This I, I don't know if this is my yeah. take. I don't know if this is correct. But are the baseball <laughs> players and the players' association? overestimating a little bit how much they're worth? Like, are they overestimating how valuable baseball is? And are they asking too much? Do they need to be more reasonable about where baseball currently is in the grand scheme of American sports? Yes, they are. They're asking too much. I I think when you look at, you know, the, the diversity and the amount of the contracts that one player may have over another, and I, I can't really speak to the to the really nitty-gritty of, you know, what they want to talk about versus what yeah. the owners want to talk about. But I I think they're so far apart um, that it's it's going to be hard to get anything done. I, I'm sorry, I'm a pessimist when yeah. it comes to this. I think it's so hard to get something done before June um, because, you know, they're, they're trying to play the waiting game. Um, they're ones trying to, you know, see who's got the biggest muscles first. But... Yeah. And unfortunately, the people that are suffering are fans um, because they want to go see some baseball. Yeah. And uh, states like Arizona and Florida right now are suffering because um, in my younger day and during spring break, I'd be down watching spring training. Absolutely. So, and you'd be sitting in the stands with your scorebook. I bet you'd be keeping score too, Banks, while you're watching these no, games. No. No? Uh-uh. No. Wow. No. No. I was, I was not one of those guys. I was... Uh, um, I was, I was just watching everybody. I, I, I loved it. Um, you know, when, especially this was the day when, when Fielder was just 
uh, you know, when, when he came in, um, yeah. I, you know, they would play. This was his first couple of years, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, him and Braun, you know, that was their heyday. And, you know, then they'd bring up, you know, the really lower-level minor leaguers. And, you know, it was kind of cool to see kids, you know, get autographs from, you know, yeah. the higher-up guys. So, yeah. But um, I don't know, Grant. I think you got to call your buddy Dave from Monona and get him uh, get those guys going. And and uh, it sounds like he can shake them up a little bit. So. Yeah, I think so. I've we'll send him in as the mediator. I've, grease the wheels a bit. I've heard some of your listeners can pick him out of a crowd in a restaurant. So, oh yeah, and they've never seen the guy before. So um, I have no idea what he looks like, but it kind of sounds like he can get things done. I think so too. I think he's a man that's all business banks, and, and we are as well. But you know, I think we're a little we're a little more easygoing. Throw Dave in there, get some intimidation, get some urgency. I think that's what baseball needs. I think that's exactly. Hey, what one more thing, Grant. You're yeah. doing a terrific job uh, in the mornings. I don't know how you can stay up all all morning and all day and and get your shows done, but you're doing an outstanding job in the morning, man. Oh well, thank thank you. I did take a nap for about 20 minutes. I messed up my hair. I took a nice little 20 minute siesta before I. Uh, came back into the station for lunch today but yes i'm i'm looking forward to sleeping in a little bit tomorrow so i appreciate that binks thanks for the call uh, see you buddy yeah see you binks on the island anytime mention baseball we'll get a ring from from binks he's a more seasonal caller of ours he, he calls less frequently during football and basketball season but in baseball we can always expect to hear from binks maybe the players are asking for too much and i and i don't think i'm being anti-player when i say that right i, I think a player needs to know their value and know their worth and they're worth a lot. They're professional athletes. They're the 1% of 1%. They're really good at what they do. We buy their jersey. We watch them on TV. But it's not like baseball is America's biggest sport. It's not like it's the Super Bowl. Not like it's the NFL that's raking in money hand over fist. I don't think they're losing money either. But I think baseball players are walking into these negotiations like they're a huge ticket item that's making billions and trillions of dollars the same way that the NFL is or maybe the NBA, and that's that's not the case. They're worth a lot. I don't think they're worth as much as they are believing and, and telling the owners. And the, the problem is players think they're worth more than they are, and the owners think they're worth less than they are. Like the owners are like, man, I, I this stupid old-fashioned baseball team's a terrible investment. I'm not making any money. Oh, sucks. And then the players are like, I am a golden god. Give me everything. Right, So the owners are underestimating how much they are making, and the players are overestimating how much they're making. No wonder they're at an impasse. No wonder they're in a tough spot. I think they all need a reality check and a slap on the side of the head. And it's like, hey, owners, would you rather own an NFL team? Probably. But you know what? You own a baseball team, so suck it up. You're still making millions of dollars. And players? You're a professional athlete. You're doing pretty darn well. Yeah, fight for what's yours. A little bit better working conditions. Let's protect the minor leagues. But quit acting like you're Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady because you're not. You're not the NFL, okay? You do really, really well in Brookfield, in Oconomowoc, in Lacrosse. You're not pulling a TV rating in L.A. or New York for a Tuesday night game against the Reds. So take it easy. That's where this disconnect is. The owners are crying poor, more so than they should be. And the players are crying rich more so than they should be. So no wonder these guys can't agree on anything. Let's take a break. Maybe another comment or two on baseball. And I do have some Greg guard cuts I want to play about a couple of things that happened last night. If you have something you want to interject, hit me up. 608-796-2558. We'll continue the Wisco Sports Show next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills 
on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. The talk and text line is 608-796-2558. Dean and Eau Claire and I have been going back and forth texting about how history class should work. Uh, now we've moved on to sports. Don't worry. Uh, we're sticking to sports, Dean. Uh, he says, you suggest that the two sides in baseball need a slap along the head. Perhaps Juan, Juan Howard should be sent in to arbitrate. I understand he's available. Juan Howard, get in there. Just... Open hand slap. I saw a tweet last night, by the way, that made me laugh out loud. I think it was a reply to one of Dan Katz's tweets. Pardon my take, big cat. And the reply that I saw that got trending was, Joe Kravinoff missed an amazing opportunity to wear a neck brace on the sideline tonight. How funny would it have been if he would have worn a neck brace? (laughs) Like the Big Ben walking boot, just to just get the buzz going. In the post-game presser, how funny would it have been if Joe Kravinoff would have worn a neck brace on the sideline last night? Oh, that was such a missed opportunity. I agree. Rainman Mike texts in about Jordan Davis. He makes the point that the Badgers need more juice from the bench. So maybe Jordan Davis can be that guy moving forward. You know, Johnny Davis has had nights where he's done it alone. And then there's nights where Brad Davison has played well. Not recently. And good nights from Tyler Wall. Really good night from Stephen Crowell last night, too. But the bench has been little to no return all season long. And I'm not saying 20 minutes a night for Jordan Davis is going to change that. But if they can just find a little something, anything from that bench unit, maybe it is Jordan Davis. That would be a huge shot in the arm. One thing that I learned about Jordan Davis watching him in high school, and I think it was evident last night, too, he does not lack confidence. Even when a shot really isn't falling, and there were times in high school where it would be going and then times where it wouldn't be. Um, I'm not going to say he was an inconsistent three-point shooter, but when he pulled up, I don't know if everyone in the room assumed that the ball was going in, but he always pulled up with the utmost confidence. Was never afraid to shoot it in transition, just never afraid to pull up and rip it. And I think almost delusional confidence as someone off the bench is really important because starters can come into a game and get a feel for two minutes and kind of settle in and warm up the legs and warm up the shot before they really have to get dialed in. If you're coming off the bench, you need to be ready to go immediately. Very different as a bench player. You got to be ready and and hit shots right away because you're only in there for a couple minutes at a time where starters have these long stretches throughout the game where they can really settle into the game. Maybe that confidence Maybe that juice from Jordan Davis, maybe that makes a difference. Craig Gard talked about Jordan after the game. I was really proud of Jordan. I thought he really took advantage of the opportunities, you know, made plays when he needed to, was solid defensively, uh, rebounded, you know, was engaged in the game, knowing that we were, you know, maneuvering lineups in different places. Uh, But really proud of him because he's a great kid who works hard, you know, just uh, happy that he could have this type of performance. I think he does take a little crap. And maybe it was, let me look at Evan Flood's Twitter. He tweeted a quote last night. Um, that had another line about Jordan Davis. I'm going to scroll back. Evan Flood, by the way, friend of show, uh, Wisconsin Insider, 24-7 Sports, CBS Sports. Um, let me scroll here. Jordan Davis, blah, blah, blah. Maybe I maybe I, maybe I, I envisioned this. Um, I was really happy for Jordan. Thought he had a little bounce. He knew this was coming. Just happy for him, blah, blah, blah. Okay. 
Yeah. So maybe I maybe I maybe I thought there was a quote at one point. Oh, here here it's not a Greg Gard quote. Evan Flood tweeted his article and said, "Good for Jordan Davis. Kid has taken a lot of crap from people." Yeah, I didn't want to make that up, and I didn't want to just pretend that I saw that somewhere. I did see that from Evan Flood. I think sometimes Jordan Davis, PR wise, fan base wise, sentiment wise, gets a little crap because a lot of people like to say that he's only there because of his brother. Right? He was recruited uh, in tandem with his brother to make sure Johnny came to Wisconsin. And, to a point that's probably true, yes. But to act like Wisconsin doesn't always have a couple guys at the end of the bench who don't play and are just there in a leadership position, they're there to be a good teammate, they're there to be a leader, right? Why can't Jordan Davis do that and more? It doesn't matter that he's Johnny's brother. I think of Aaron Mace. Aaron Mace did nothing but grow a mustache for like eight years, and he was on the bench the whole time. So what's the difference between Jordan Davis and Aaron Mace? Jordan hit a couple big shots at a big moment last night. Steven Crowell talked about his big night. Yeah, no, he played super well. Um, obviously, he had the seven points, a three, a couple uh, layoffs. But I think the big thing that he did was on the defensive end. He came in and gave it his all and gave it all his effort and just shut some of their guys down when he was in the game. So I think both defensively and offensively with the seven points, he gave us a big boost off the bench. I think he did. It's confidence. It's juice coming right into the game. You need to be ready to go. You need to be ready to rock right away. Right away. It's like, it's like on this show, okay? I start at 4 o'clock, and maybe I him and haw for a minute or two. Maybe I tell you about my day. You know, read the phone number, read the Twitter. Hey, hope you're having a good one. Thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you. You know, you kind of him and haw a little bit. But when I have a guest on the show, like if I call Zach, and Zach's on the show for 10 minutes, Zach has to pack a lot of content into that 10 minutes. There's no, hey, Grant, how you doing? Oh, yeah, good. No, I'm just sitting at home. I'm watching TV. You know, excited to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dinner tonight, I'm having a burger. Like, there's no time for small talk for Zach because Zach is on for 12 minutes. And when Zach is on, we expect him to just hit us over the head one after another. Badger factoid, Badger stat, this report, this quote. We're expecting it. Gas for 10 straight minutes, and Zach always gives it to us. He never disappoints. With this Wisconsin Sports Zone Network update, I'm Zach Heil Print. But it's, it's very different doing a two-hour show where I kind of have time to sit here and ponder and think and ask questions and maybe backpedal on a, on a point or redo a point or adjust a take. When I have a guest on, that guest got to be ready to go. If I'm having Zach on to talk Badgers, he's got to be ready to go. Ten minutes, got to get it all in there. You know, if we had uh, Eric Eager on yesterday from Pro Football Focus just to talk about the Packers, losing to the Niners, now looking into the offseason. Boom, 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 boom. Real quick. No time to BS. No time to mess around. Right? I think he made a joke about Aaron Rodgers and Favre both throwing up. And then at the end, he said, hey, love everyone in the cross. Thanks for having me on. He's out. That's it. Right? And it's very similar to coming off the bench in basketball. You don't have time to get your legs under you. You don't have time to warm up your shot. you got to be ready to go. And if you're not ready to go, then fake it. And maybe that's what Jordan Davis was doing last night. Maybe. Maybe. Luck's a part of it, too, especially as a bench player. If you take six shots and you get lucky on two of them, well, you're going to have a damn good night. I'm not going to blame you for that. That's how basketball works a little bit. So we're celebrating Jordan Davis a little bit, especially in lacrosse. I did the morning show in lacrosse today, and it was it was Jordan Davis Day, baby. Because we watched Johnny, but Jordan was on that team. Noah Parcher, Hayden was on that team. Uh, I would say I would say Tristan Thompson, but it's Terrence Thompson, uh, who's now at I believe at UW Green Bay, or at least he was. A lot of good players on that team. And by the way, I don't remember who called the other day. I wrote it down. Hold on. It was Larry in northern Wisconsin who was calling from the Broken Arrow. 
who's making fun of me for saying that Onalaskan lacrosse is a hotbed for basketball in the state of Wisconsin. What do you think about that, Larry? One Davis twin fouls out. The other one steps in and helps win him a game last night. You want to talk about lacrosse central now? Want to talk about Onalaska? If I don't mention Onalaska, I'm going to get angry texts from parents saying I don't give the Hilltoppers credit. Hotbed of basketball. Totally is. Good for Jordan Davis last night. That was that was really cool to see. And with Lauren Bowman out and Jacoby Neath suspended, right? Sometimes it's just an opportunity. That's all you need. You little need a little sliver in the door to step in. You make a couple of plays. You make the most of it like Jordan did last night. Who knows? Maybe they'll ask Greg Gard at some point this week. Maybe I'll text Zach just to bother him and say, hey, can somebody ask Greg Gard this week? And if somebody asks him, can you let me know what he says about maybe Jordan Davis seeing a little bit more time throughout the rest of the season? Is he going to get some more run against Rutgers and as we get closer to the Big Ten tournament? Why not? The bench hasn't given you anything all year. Can't be worth a can't be can't get worse. Gotta be worth a try, right? Give Jordan Davis a little bit more run. We'll see how his minutes kind of impact. It was cool to see him step in. Johnny fouls out, he steps in, and the Badgers are able to lock it down. And I, I think as John in South Eau Claire said earlier, the ball just moves really well when the offense is initiated through Tyler Wall. You get the ball to down to him on the block, he kind of weasels his way into position, and now he can decide if he wants to go up and try some post moves and flash the footwork and try to get a bucket? Or does he want the ball to now kind of start orbiting? All right, we're talking about basketball. It's gotten very heliocentric the last couple of years. Kind of started with Harden, uh, and the Bucks were that way for a couple of years. I think the Jazz with Donovan Mitchell, too. Right When you have one player touching the ball all the time, kind of controlling things and surveying how the game and, and all the players are flowing around him, you can be really effective on offense, and the ball can move. And last night, the ball in the last couple minutes, even a little bit before Johnny Davis fouled out, I don't want to make it sound like the ball only moved when Johnny wasn't on the floor. But when they were starting offensive possessions with Tyler Wall in the post, he does such a good job feeling the movement around him and making a pass that leads to another pass. It leads to another pass that leads to a great shot attempt. And we saw that, yes, even after Johnny Davis fouled out. Big reason why they won. More Badgers. I want to talk Packers in the second half of the show as well. Again, those are hypotheticals. Those are some hypotheticals. I don't think we're going to go down those roads right now. Again, you know, um, hypothetical. Yeah, I'm not going to get into individual contracts. Uh, again, those, those aren't things that I would speak about here. Yeah, again, another hypothetical. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. buried the lead a little bit today maybe i should have mentioned this by now but i think our badgers conversation has been pretty good talked about jordan davis we started the show with an nba badgers lounge i watched the badger game last night like it was an nba game and i took notes as if i was watching an nba game right so we talked about tyler wall playing the five what does a small ball look do for this badgers team right how does tyler wall as a rebounder do by himself he was great last night 10 boards six on offense but also how does he help the rest of the team around him rebound it seemed like when wall was on the floor they were locking it down even if it was with tips or with deflections right so in the nba we think of brooke lopez not a great individual rebounder but when he's on the floor his team always rebounds really well so i was trying to watch tyler wall and others through that kind of lens i don't know what else did we talk about i wish they'd run pick and roll two-man stuff with chucky hepburn and 
Johnny Davis, but I don't I don't think we're going to get that anytime soon. The one thing that I haven't mentioned yet today, last night the Badgers won another game that was decided by one or two possessions, which is six points or less. They have won 13 games in a row decided by one or two possessions. That's the longest such winning streak by any Division I team in a single season since the three-point line was adopted in 86-87. It's really impressive. Another historical feat that I tweeted out, this one related to music, today is the five-year anniversary of the album Hendrix by Future. Uh, And Future dropped Hendrix a week after he dropped his other album, which was named Future. It was self-titled. And he, in 2017, was the first rapper, first artist, Ever in history to debut two number one projects back to back in seven days on the Billboard 200. Wow. Which historical feat is more impressive? I love Future. So this is why I had to bring it up. There's a picture of Future hanging up in the studio. Mostly is a bit, but today I, I got to bring it up. Badgers, one or two score games. They're killing it. That's the that's the point. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. The Badgers conversation is rolling. I had some Packers stuff planned for today. I don't even know if we're going to get to it. I don't know if we need to, to burn the Badgers topics today or burn the Packers topics today. The very least, we can get to them tomorrow. We did a couple minutes on baseball. I think I got, was it a text or a tweet here? It's from Rock and Rick. Here we go. 608-796-2558. Rock and Rick says, guys on the DP show did the math and said that Max Scherzer at 100, uh, at 100 games makes 15 grand per pitch. Wrong guy to represent the players. Yeah, this is, and this is the thing, right? What Max Scherzer wants is very different than what a minor leaguer wants, very different than what a second-year player wants, a relief pitcher, a starting pitcher. That's the problem with baseball is experienced players and superstar players live in a completely different reality than the middle class of players and the lower class of players. And all of these CBAs, these players are trying to get theirs right now. You're having players that are playing now negotiating deals for right now. But in the long run, Max Scherzer's not going to be around forever. So when the next CBA is up, the players who are then incurring those terms are going to be boned. And the owners who still own these teams are still in a pretty good spot. So there's just a lot of imbalances. There's there's just there's a lot of disconnects between the players and I think the owners just live in a weird reality. I think a lot of times the players do too. This is this is just a mess. GWP Dad, we're getting back into the Badgers. Says Brad Davison has the most three pointers in Wisconsin history, but for whatever reason, I don't view him as a better three point shooter than Bronson Koenig. Do you feel the same? Uh yeah, yes, I do. Um, I don't know what the numbers would say. I, I there's no by the way, there's no bigger fan of Bronson Koenig in the world than me. You talk about on Alaska and Central being basketball hotbeds. What about Aquinas? Couple D1ers in the last few years. Bronson Koenig, Lexi Donarski is playing at Iowa State. Probably going to be a professional basketball player in the WNBA before too long. So I love Bronson Koenig. I also think of Ben Brust. Um, I mean, Vito Brown had a hell of a stretch, too. Problem with Brad, not the problem. The, the thing with Brad Davison is he's played so long. He's always been healthy, and he just takes a lot of shots. Right? In the same way, who? what quarterback is the Wisconsin touchdown leader? Wisconsin football all-time touchdown leader. I want to look it up. No way. It's Daryl Bevel? No way. I thought it was Stave. It looks by this list that Stave is second. Let me see here. Wisconsin Badger football statistical leaders uh, passing touchdowns. No 
way. So career, it's Daryl Bevel with 59. Wow. Stave's got 48. Single season, Russell Wilson's got 33. Alex Hornibrook has 25, 2017. Wow. Stave had 22 in 2013. So he's up there in both all-time and single season. Single game, Daryl Bevel again. Jeez. Five. Now, Jim Sorge and Graham Mertz have five, too. And then there's 13 players with four. Okay, so my point was, do we think of Joel Stave as better than Russell Wilson? No. But he played longer. Right? He played a lot longer. Had a lot more attempts, a lot more seasons. Right? Daryl Bevel played longer. A lot more seasons, a lot more passes, a lot more attempts. We got Randy Wright, Brooks Bollinger, Jim Sorge, Russell Wilson, Scott Tolzien, and Mike Samuel. Are your all-time top ten. Reason I bring that up is for comparison. Like, I don't think we believe Brad Davison to be probably one of the best four or five Badgers players in the last 10 years, right? Ethan Happ's probably better. I like Koenig more. Josh Gosser is an interesting case because I don't know at his peak if he was ever that amazing, but he was so good for so long. Sam Decker, Frank Kaminsky. Uh, who else am I missing? Bruzowitz, obviously, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but there are a lot of players I think we believe to be better than Davison. But Davison's just been consistent, and he's done it for so long. Uh, I don't believe him to be better than some of these guys, GWP dad, to answer your text. Um, but when you do it for that long, it's almost like Kareem's scoring record, right? I don't think anybody believes Kareem to be better than MJ or LeBron, but the impressiveness of Kareem is that he did it for so long. Um, and he's a top three or four player of all time. I'm, I'm not discounting Kareem. But some of those records and those accomplishments are – based in longevity, and you got to give players props for that. Dan and Val text in and say, delusional confidence will be my next trivia team name. I do think this team and some of the players on this team, they play with a little bit of delusion, which is a good thing. Zach hated that term last time I had him on to talk Badgers because I I, I think Zach interprets that as, as discounting how good this team is. I'm not discounting how good this Badgers team is, but even in the beginning of the season, the first month where they're not ranked, and they're not picked to finish in the top half of the Big Ten. They roll into games like they're the best team in the country. And screw you guys. We're going we're gonna to beat you anyways. They weren't that good. We didn't think they were that good to begin the year. They did, though. They believed they were that good. And it turns out they were right. So maybe it's not delusion. Maybe it's confidence based in evidence. So last night, Wisconsin wins on the road. Again, to kind of reset the show. They beat Minnesota by one. Not a world-beating Minnesota team, but a rivalry road win. In a close game that got tight, uh, and they persevered through that. Last second three-point heave made it a one-score game. Chucky Hepburn also missed four free throws last night, which would have made this game look a lot better than it did. Very uncharacteristic from him. So another Badger game decided, as I said, by one or two scores. 13th in a row. That's the most since the late 80s, which is nuts. This team keeps doing surprising things, and we aren't surprised by these things anymore. We're not surprised. I think the best part of the season was probably those two wins at Purdue and at Michigan State. The worst part of the season is we don't even geek out and celebrate over those wins because at this point they seem routine, don't they? Johnny scored 37 at Mackey, and my response was, yeah, he's been that way. He's been that guy forever. He could add 40. He missed a couple free throws. Like, I, it's amazing how just used to this team we've gotten, how good they are. We're not surprised by anything anymore, which is cool, but, but part of me wishes we still appreciated it and we still... We had our minds blown every time they won because we've just gotten accustomed to how good they are, but it's made it routine. It's made the regular season just seem like a business trip every night. Yeah, I'll go handle Minnesota tonight. Ed is in Madison, 608-796-2558. What's up, Ed? Welcome. Hey, Grant. Love the Badger talk. 
Um, you know, the old, this Badger team reminds me of the old, you know, the old movie, The Hoosiers. Yeah. You know, they kind of come out, they play with a, with a team mentality. They play together, obviously, a team. And they buy into their coach's methods and the message. And, you know, if one guy goes down, someone always seems to step up. Yeah. And, you know, I love your take on um, having the, the other bro come in and pick up the slack off the bench. They do need a little punch off the bench. And um, that's a great take. I hope someone's listening <laughs> in Madison, obviously, other than me, that could actually maybe pass that on. Yeah. Because I think you hit it on the head. Um, but, no, this team is a special team. Um, I'm shocked that they're in the top. Two, three. I mean, I think everybody in Wisconsin was you know, all around the state. Yeah, we weren't expecting this. Well, I look at not the, at all. Ed, I look at their record. They're twenty-two and five. And my first thought is, oh yeah, they have won that many games. We don't talk about it. Yeah, we're used to it. Man, you know this team really caught. I really when what really opened my eyes was the Maui tournament when they yeah. went out there on the road. Not a lot of fans in, there for them. And they stepped up. I mean, they played tight, tight games, and they won. <laughs> they brought home the championship. That's when I knew this team might make some noise in the Big Ten. Well, they had wins in that tournament against A&M, Houston, and St. Mary's. Yeah. And Georgia, Georgia Tech, too. And I remember those games were on in the late afternoon. So I, I had my laptop here in the studio, and I had the games on. And I'm thinking, man, I are, are they just hot? Are, are they are they more prepared for the season and, and they came in more ready than some of these other teams that quite haven't like played their way into shape yet? I'm really glad that what we saw in those games was a preview of things to come and not just this little mirage that got us hyped up and then and then the team lets us down later. I mean, considering what we were gone with what that team went through last year, that coaching staff and yeah. how much upheaval there was, um, they're hungry. And you know, when you got a team that's as hungry as they are, they got something to prove. And I love having a team with a chip on their shoulder that comes in with something to prove. And I think that's what, you know, the big test for me is when they go up to Rutgers. That, to me, it will show, that will show their true metal right there. Because that's going to be a, that crowd's going to be crazy, crazy. They have and, not um, played well at Rutgers game, recently. They haven't played no. well there, right? Yeah, that's what I thought. No, they haven't. You know, it's like going to Penn State. But, you know, Penn State, they don't get a fan base to come out and root for their team. That's going to be different in Rutgers. Rutgers has got something to prove, too. I like Rutgers. I like their brand of ball. Uh, I think um, I'm rooting for Rutgers if it wasn't for Wisconsin being as high as they are. But I I like to see these two teams really make some noise in the tournament instead of the usual, you know. Michigan State, yeah, um, you know Michigan, Michigan, you know Purdue. I, I feel, I feel like Purdue yeah, and Purdue. Michigan State. We always get hyped up to to advance them in our brackets mm-hmm. every year, and then they always lose in the second round. And I'm like, why did I bet yep. on Matt Payer yep. again? I, why do I make that mistake every year? <laughs> I don't know. I don't either. Well, Grant, great show again. Um, thanks for the the entertainment, and I love you going down the red and white. Go red. You know, back in the day, I used to go up to lacrosse a lot, and you guys had a team up there, a semi-pro team. I think it was the Cats or? The Catbirds, oh, yeah. The Catbirds. I was way back when, man, that town was hopping back in that day. Oh, it still is. We have the showtime, and we have 
the, the lacrosse center just got redone. So there's been a lot going on at the lacrosse center. It seems like the last few weeks, there's been something every weekend, which has been great. But lacrosse, lacrosse goes up. You got to come visit and spend time here. I'd recommend the summer when you can go outside and do things. Yeah. In the, in the winter, right if, if you want to drink for three straight days and bum around downtown, like it's a blast. But if you really want a lacrosse experience, you got to you got to come here in the summer. All right, brother. Take care. Thanks, Ed. Have a great night. That's Ed in Madison, 608-796-2558. Yeah, if anyone on the Badgers coaching staff wants to give me a ring, needs advice, um, I'm here. Uh, and if anyone at the Lacrosse City Chamber of Commerce wants to give me a ring and cut me a check, I'm I'm also here. I'm just I'm wearing a lot of hats today. You're welcome. Uh, close games. I, I feel like Greg Gard has asked this every time they lose a close game. You know how are you how are you closing these games down? How are you winning? Where did I put this cut? Hold on, I lost it. Damn it. Greg Gard. Here, here's here's this. I'm I'm sorry. I got confused. And I see Brett's calling. So Brett, I'll get to you next. So Greg Gard was asked, you guys want another close game, right? He's asked this after every game. This time they did it about Johnny Davis. And Greg Gard was asked last night, hey, uh, how did you do it without Johnny? What does that say about your team? It's just what good teams do. They find a way when it doesn't always go as scripted. And, and a lot tonight didn't go as scripted. And that's life in this league against teams that are very competitive and on the road. Um, so you just continue to, to find a way. And this group does that well. You know what's funny, and I'll bring Brett here, Brett and lacrosse. You know what's funny is they asked Greg Gard, you guys won another close game, and this time you did it without Johnny. What does that say about your team? And Gard basically says, yeah, that's what good teams do. We're a good team. Like, Are you, are you still surprised? Like, he's so he, – he's not disrespectful, but he's like, why are you surprised? You guys act surprised every time we do this. That makes me laugh. Brett, what, what do you think about that? What's going on? Oh, hello, Grant. Hello, Brett. How are you? I'm swell. I, I didn't expect people well, to be this amped to talk about a Badger win, so that, that makes me happy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, so I ended up going to bed before the game was over. Dumb. But we were ahead by enough that I was like, you know, whatever. Yep. I got to get up at 430 and go to the gym. Uh, wow, flex. All right. Well, <laughs> anyway, anyway, so I go to bed and I, come, I wake up and I hear you guys talking this morning. I'm like, I never checked. Uh, and they make it sound like it wasn't good. So I checked. I'm like, oh, thank God. We won by one point. Yeah. The rest of the Which, world's going to hell, but the Badgers point, won. Again, yeah. Well, listen, don't swear on my show. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. So, but yeah, I mean, every game against Big Ten teams always ends up being like this. So if we can escape those games, it, it's going to be just fine. Yeah, I think so. They're now, so, uh, what, what was the stat? What was the number? I, I don't want to get it wrong. 13-game winning streak in games decided by one possession or less. That takes some that takes some stones in the late game, Brent. Last night, they even did it without Johnny. Like, this team's just, this team's impressive. Man. Yeah. I well, love it. it was good to see Jordan step up a little bit, so. Yeah, we're, we're going to get to the um, Packers here in about 12 or 15 minutes. Before I let you go, oh, do, no, you have, no, no. do you have a take? Jordan Davis. Yeah, Jordan Davis. Um, Do I have a take? Yeah, do, do you have I, something I you want to get out there? I gave you a take earlier today. Did you, did you look at those I sent you? Yeah, I, I guess. So, first of all, Brett. So, Brett and I talked on the morning show this morning. I'll bring everyone into the fold. Brett called this morning no, and was, was talking about how the Falcons want to trade for Jordan Love and, and this and that. And I was like, Brett, I can't find this anywhere. So, you sent me a screenshot. Yeah, it looks like it, it was a thing somewhere. So, sure. Yes. Yes. In Atlanta, actually, it was. So, that's where it was kind of the Badgers to uh, just continue to show the, the nation how good we really are with or without Johnny. Yeah. Well, we're a lot better with, but uh, then I'm waiting on somebody to figure out how to get him up here for like uh, 
name recognition, uh, make him some money and get some signatures before he goes in the NBA draft this year. Oh yeah. I hope they put his, uh, they gave him the banner at lacrosse central last Friday and it, Brett, it ripped my heart out because I have been going to central for two years now. And every time I go in there, I see Kobe King's Mr. Basketball banner. And I was like, we got to get one for Johnny. And I have been Mm -hmm. tweeting about it and thinking about it for two years. And the Friday they decide to do it, I have to leave town to go to a buddy's wedding. I hate myself. Oh my gosh. I know. And I hate my friend uh, it'll for this. be all right. I think their marriage is, it, is cursed for this reason. It'll be fine. Oh, I also wanted to just on the air say congrats to uh, Viroqua Girls Hockey. Mm. They're going to uh, the third round of the playoffs. One more win and they make it to state, but they've never been this deep in 20 years. And my niece, who's a freshman, is on varsity. So I love Viroqua. We had a caller from Viroqua on the morning show, I believe, this morning. Yeah, good for Viroqua. Thank you, Brad. I'm going to let yeah. you go, but have a good night. It was nice to okay. hear from you. Talk later. It's Brett in lacrosse. Jeff in Chippewa Falls always texts in with updates about his kids' hockey team. Jeff, text in. Let, let me know what's going on if you're listening. Text in. Because if we're going to get updates on Viroqua, I want updates on Chippewa or Chai High or whatever youth league your daughter's playing. We're just, let's get it all at once. Come on, 608 796 Let's take a break. We'll keep talking Badgers next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Show, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff in Chippewa Falls has answered the call. Well, the text, more specifically. Jeff says, my daughter's team plays at the 10 UA State Tournament next weekend. Go Stars! I also must say, on Monday, Jeff sent me a text that I did not read, but seeing we're on the topic, I'll get to it now. It says, hate to bust in on the Packers talk, but wanted to mention that my daughter scored her first goal of the season yesterday. She's a defenseman, so she doesn't get many opportunities to shoot. Proud Papa here. Can we all just celebrate... The Viroqua hockey team that's close to state. Jeff, uh, was it Brett's niece is on that team? Good for Brett and his niece. And Jeff in Chippewa Falls, whose daughter scored a goal and is in the state tournament. Wow. What a show we're having. Also, the Badgers played last night, and we're talking about that. Ryan in Mineral Point. Oh, boy, here we go. <laughs> he, he says... Here's my hockey update since it came up. My son is on the Dodgeville Ice Wolves 14U hockey team. They're playing in West Salem on Saturday. State tournament at Manitowoc next weekend. Love the show. Keep it up. We have so many young budding hockey stars in our listenership. This is this is tremendous. Badgers are killing it. Everyone's killing it in hockey. Wow. Wow. 608-796-2558. Can text and call there. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant. We were talking... A little bit about the Badgers, a lot about the Badgers and how Jordan Davis helped close it down last night. Greg Gard talked with a lot of love about Jordan Davis, happy for him, as did Stephen Crowell. Garden, I played this a few minutes ago, but I want to reiterate because last time I, I played it, I really botched it. Greg Gard talking about good teams. They close even without their best player. It's just what good teams do. They find a way when it doesn't always go as scripted. And, and a lot tonight did go as scripted. And that's life in this league against teams that are very competitive and on the road. Um, so you just continue to, to find a way, and this group does that well. He sounds like you're wasting his time by asking him, right? Hey, Greg, you closed with your with your best player on the bench because of fouls. And he's like, well, yeah, that's what good teams do. Got any questions worth my time? <laughs> but that's so, like, that's such a good summary of this Badgers team, right? Oh, my God, they won another game by one score on the road. 
Oh, of course they did. That's what they've been doing all year long. Like you, can, you can celebrate it, I guess, but it's not surprising. Another interesting back and forth with reporters that Greg Gard had last night, and I figured this might come up. Greg Gard was asked if he could go back to Sunday when the brawl started with Michigan. If you go back to Sunday, would you change anything? Would you go back and do anything differently? I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Oh, the double champ does what the f- he wants. Sorry, that, that's not Greg Gard. Oh, that was Conor McGregor. Uh, let me. I apologize about that. I'm all over the place today. Greg Gard asked, if you could go back to Sunday, would you change anything? I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. I mean, I just appreciate the support that appeared immediately from Chris McIntosh and our administration for our student-athletes, first and foremost, for our staff, and for everybody involved with that. I just uh, Chris and his staff have been terrific and very supportive consistently, I mean, immediately uh, that day, and I really appreciate that. I have no qualms with what Greg Gard did on Sunday. If he would have been suspended a game, I would have been bothered, but I would feel no differently. Good for Greg Gard. Juwan Howard can suck one, okay? His team blows. That's not Greg Gard's fault. We listened to a clip yesterday of Emmanuel Acho going on some speech about, I don't even remember, what an idiot. He was saying something like, we don't punish based on actions. We punish based on outcome." Like, it's Greg Gard's fault that Jawan Howard open-hand slapped Joe Krabinoff, who, by the way, Joe Krabinoff should have worn a neck brace in the game last night for no other reason other than it would have been funny. Like, it would have been really, really funny. It's, oh, my God, is he okay? Yeah, he's fine. He's being a troll because it's funny. Joe, Joe Krabinoff should have worn a neck brace. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, We got a call. I'm going to tell this caller, I will cut you off so fast today if you try anything. I will, I will cut you. I don't like calling callers off. I don't I do not do it. Today, Dave, I will do it if you try anything. No, you were on a short leash. I did not appreciate what you had to say earlier this week. What's up? Boy, you can't, you know, people can't handle the truth anymore. They get, yeah, but that's, uh, yeah, 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 that's not what we're talking. We're, we're not, but we don't need to talk about that. That's, that's not something okay. we needed to talk about. All right, two, two things. I, I, I got a kick out of these, all these parents talking about taking their kids to the state tournament and play hockey. I had a friend of mine who actually paid his daughter to take shots in the fourth, fifth, sixth grade because his reasoning was, I want to give her confidence. I couldn't tell you how many people, the young program and hockey parents, who pay their kids, hey, to shoot, 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 because they're afraid, and they either pay them, you know, pay them for grades in school or they pay them to take shots in the and you wonder why they turn out to be losers and there's no way this is true. Line and nobody, nobody does nobody does this. Nobody pays their oh, no, 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 no. to take shots yes, in they hockey. do. No, that's oh. not a thing. That's not uh, a thing. Uh, you're wrong, buddy. Your your uh, your parents never incentivized you to get good grades, like, hey, if you get straight A's, we'll buy we you a baby gun or something. We didn't know. My dad said you kidding me. See, that's your generation. No. And I'm sure your parents I'm sure that. your parents didn't get paid from their parents. Hey, I'll give you a dollar an A. Because, you know, but anyway, um, actually, now you forget. Now, see, now you did so well, deflected me, I forgot the main <laughs> reason why I called. Oh, no, oh, oh Badger, Badger basketball. Yep. For all these idiot pa- people are saying, well, Greg should apologize. No, thank you, Greg Gard, for not apologizing. Yeah. These people, well, he should apologize. He's setting a poor example. No, no people out there. He should not apologize. Greg Gard says, hey, that's what he is. And if we have more parents that, that were... They were like great guard. You wouldn't be raising a bunch of sissy kids and alcoholics and drug addicts. You know? Why does it always? Hey, why do we always have to jump to alcoholics and drug addicts? Can we just like 
Okay, maybe kids grow up entitled, but that doesn't mean they turn to drinks, Dave. That seems like a little bit. That's that's a little. You're exaggerating. Well, here. you grow. Well, your parents. Your parents are paying you and young to take a shot, get good grades. What do you think is going to happen when they grow up in the real world? And all of a sudden, mommy and daddy's not paying them to go to dinner and ties. I'll go. What happened to my five bucks an A? Uh oh. Uh oh. No. Oh, look at you. You're entitled. I mean, you you walk around with short pants and <laughs> short pants and, you know, pantyhose and... I, I paid for those. I, I bought those pants. I bought those with my own money that I earned with a paycheck, Dave. But, but no, but I, I, but I just had to remind you, when they're talking about, talking about their kids and their uh, hockey. You, I'm sure, if they're honest, they every one of your listeners has paid their kid well, for to take something. a shot or, get a, or, or, or even to give them a reward for good grades. We didn't get rewards. You know, we got to say, hey, you know, thank you, good job. We got praise. Yeah. You know, nowadays, like a dog, hey, they're like dogs. You got to pat them on the head and give them a treat. That's called love and support as a parent, Dave. No, that, that's just called support. Support in the, uh, the fact they're going to be they're gonna be fat and lazy when they grow up. Before before I let you go, can I ask you, are, are you ever happy for anyone or anything? No, because I, I hate <laughs> life, but I do like Greg Gard. No, I do like Greg Gard. <laughs> But I do hate parents. Here's another one for you. It's, it's Girl Scout cookies, right? How many parents have you been approached to you? Will you buy my kids Girl Scout cookies? Oh. I, everybody who knows, if, if their kid calls me, 10 boxes. I will buy 10 boxes from any kid <laughs> who calls me. And that goes for all your listeners. They call me on the phone, and, and they spend a few minutes. I'll buy 10 boxes. I've done that for years. I will not buy from a parent. And anybody who does, again, you're entitling your poor little kids. Make, we gotta go out and bust our bust our hump. So it's your parents. Yeah, go out and bust I know. their hump or you wanna you want to make money and sell items. I, know. I do. Honestly got it. I will buy from any kid who people who know me, I buy big type of kids. All they gotta do is call. And I'm even nice to them. Dave, you're you have you have old fashioned takes, but you're nice. Like I, I enjoy you. Thank you. Let's let's not do what we did earlier this week, because then I get texts from other people and I we all have different oh, opinions. But I, screw, screw those people. Those well, people are a bunch of hypocrites. They're hypocrites. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna let they you go. They sit in their homes. They, they yeah. sit in their homes and swear and, and say the same things I'm saying, but they ain't got the guts to say it out loud because you know, mommy and daddy. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Dave. All right, buddy. Guess what? I'm gonna cut you off. Okay. There. Please do. Thank God, Dave and Monona. Um. I mean. I guess he's not totally wrong. Things used to be different. I, my dad always tells me. He's, so my dad used to, um, I don't know if he was in college or when he was younger, he used to put up silos for Brave Harvester. I was a lifeguard. Life has just gotten easier, you know? And I did, like, I've done manual labor here and there. I'm not going to act like I worked construction for three summers. And I've done some, some painting, you know, carry a ladder around. You're wearing the boots, you know. It's not all white collar for me. This is this is a workout. Talking into the mic every day. This takes some physical exertion, you know. I had to get up. I got up at four forty-five the last three mornings to do the morning show. But my dad t- tells me about. Oh, I used to pour concrete and put up silos. He tells a story of when my dad's dad, so my grandpa, who has passed away, rest in peace, Grandpa Dick, he used to get mad at my dad and his brother when they would take off on the Fourth of July. Dave, it's okay that life is moving in a slightly different direction. We don't always have to stay stuck in nineteen seventy-two or wherever you're weird point of view lives got one text here before i take a break this is from Southside geo uh he says thanks grant uh long time listener of yours but today was my last day i just had to explain to my five-year-old what the word blow means i can't believe you would say that word on air uh, 
I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Does anyone want to buy any Girl Scout cookies? Dave and Minoto buy 10 boxes. I don't even... Is it Girl Scout cookie season? I don't even know. Um, But if you want to text me, 608-796-2558, I will text you back with Dave's number. If we have a wink and a nod agreement that you will only use that number to call him and order Girl Scout cookies. And I guess it's got to be the daughter. It can't be the parent. Otherwise, Dave won't buy because... I don't know. He misses the Nixon presidency and the way things used to be or something. I I don't know. But if you want to buy Girl Scout cookies, whatever, I'll... I'll play along. Give me a text. You can tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. This is the Wisco Sports Show, and my name is Grant Bills. I have a Packers take that I want to run by you real quick. Um, I don't know if I'm embarrassed by this take, or I don't know if it's my favorite take ever. I can't decide. It's it's one or the other. The Rodgers thing this week has just been awful, and it's not Rodgers' fault, really. I, I don't think. You know, he posted something on Instagram on Monday night. That's his right. He went on McAfee on Tuesday. That's his right. What's terrible is he goes on McAfee and says, hey, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna make my decision soon. I don't want to drag this out. Uh, I don't know what that decision is, but he'll be making that decision very, very soon. Um, so everyone can calm down. Wants to put it behind him and the Packers very soon. Okay. And we still don't have any clarity, but it doesn't seem like we're going to be waiting long. This morning. Diana Rossini of ESPN has a, a, a report. And she's like, hey, per sources, Rogers will be making his decision soon. Blows up. She's all over TV and radio. Are, are, the, are, are, the, are the sources Aaron Rodgers and his words that he said for us all to hear? Is that is that your source? Because he told all of us that. Pretty sure we could all say that. Yeah, per sources in his interview... And his social media and literally every place he's spoken, he said that. But thank God we have insiders to communicate these things to us. It's really too much. Now, this decision, 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 decision. It's got to make a decision. For the last week or so, I keep asking, what decision is he making? Because I don't believe that he's going to retire. I seriously think there's like a 1% or 2% chance that he's going to retire, and that's it. I can't really see him requesting a trade. I mean, if he does, that's a tightrope. He's got to walk. He's going to have to make that right with fans because the Packers are already saying, we'll pay you whatever. We'll pay you $50 million a year. We will move all of our cap out into the future. We're already restructuring Kenny Clark. We're already restructuring Aaron Jones. Look at us go, baby. We're ready to have you back. And if Rodgers comes out and says, eh, that's, that's nice of you, but I don't, I don't think I know. I don't think I, I want. I don't want that. I'm going to leave. Bye. Trade me. I don't, I don't know that that's going to go over well, especially how he played in the NFC Championship game. I, just, I, don't, I don't know. That might be a little bit of a PR debacle. So I can't see him retiring. I really have a hard time seeing him requesting a trade. So what are we doing here? What are we, what are we, what are we deciding? What is this decision? Well, I've been thinking since Tuesday, and I think maybe, maybe I have an idea. Maybe. It's a long shot, but I, but I think I'm onto something here. I'm not going to lie. I think I got something. Bear with me. I think, and I tweeted this the other day at Wisco Grant, I think this whole week has been him trying to get Shailene Woodley back or to prove that he wants to stay with Shailene Woodley or or to get back on good terms or whatever he's needed to accomplish in the Shailene Woodley realm. I think that's what everything this week has been about. Now, I don't know if they're still together. 
Um, I don't know if they're taking a break. I don't know if they broke up. There was a woman laughing during the McAfee interview the other day. Wherever things are at with Shailene Woodley, good, bad, or anywhere in the middle, I think everything that Rodgers has done this week has been done with the intention of winning her back, impressing her, convincing her to stay with him, maybe to call the engagement back on. I, I don't know, but it's all been towards Shailene Woodley. Let me explain. Monday night, he goes on Instagram and he says, okay, I got to do something. I, I, I'm a peacock. I got I to gotta flutter my wings. I got to get her to notice me somehow, somehow, some way. What do I do? I can't just text her or call her. That's too much. And if she's already with me, obviously talking to her, texting her isn't enough. So I need to do something. I need to, I need to do something. What do I do? Oh, Instagram. I'm going to go to Instagram and I'll post a picture of the two of us with a caption of how thankful I am for Gratitude Monday. Ah, that's too much. That makes me come across as desperate. So I'll also post a picture with Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams. And I'll also talk about Matt LaFleur and my receivers and David Bakhtiari and my Friday night crew. And this way, it'll seem like I'm just thankful in general. And I guess he probably is for everyone in his life. But at the forefront of this post, the first picture and the first thing he writes, what is it? Shailene. So the message wants to go to Shailene Woodley. But in order to, to camouflage it a little bit, he also included a bunch of other people. And on the morning show this morning, I had a, a gentleman, Tom Setter. Follow him on Twitter, at Tom underscore Setter. Did a great job this week on KTY. Uh, I, this is what I told him. I said, look, single people our age, this is how we operate, right? We put something on our Instagram story or our Snapchat story, or we post something that we think will impress the person we are after. But we post it in such a way where everyone sees it. So it's like, I'm going to send this out to the universe. Everyone's going to see it, but I'm really hoping it catches this person's eye. And then we go on our phone and we look at who's seen it. Has she seen it? Has he, he, has he seen it? Has this person seen the post yet? Right? We're monitoring the situation like it's the UN, you know, bunker. Scrolling, scrolling like the born identity. You know, we're looking at all the... That's kind of what Rogers is doing here. And I don't know his current situation with Shailene Woodley, so I, I don't really know what the goal is. But the goal is to accomplish something, and I think that was what the Instagram post was about. Then he goes on McAfee the next day. Let's think of everything he discussed on the McAfee show. He talked about Karma, which in the grand scheme of things, like, whatever. Talked about football, but not really. He asked what happened against San Francisco, and he gave his answer that he's kind of trademarked the last few weeks. He's basically saying, eh, you know, I didn't expect to lose that game. Yeah, no kidding. Nobody did. It's not really an answer, but but whatever. So he talks about football, not really. He talks about his quote-unquote decision, not really. He talks about Karma. What was the one other thing that was discussed in there? Jalen Woodley. So again, getting that messaging out to her or, or fluttering his, his wings, getting attention, strutting to show her how much he appreciates and cares, but he hid that message with a little camouflage, a little football talk. I, I think Aaron Rodgers' decision... I think he's trying to decide whether or not he wants to retire and go all in on Shailene Woodley. And if he does, look, I'm not even judging. I'm not trying to be nosy here. I'm just trying to look. If he wants to be cryptic. All right, let's be cryptic. I'm going to try to follow your trail of breadcrumbs, buddy, because that's what you want. That's what I'll do. Game on. He talked in March last March about fatherhood being his next great challenge. And he talks about how he loves Shailene and he's learned so much. I, I, I think this is a fish he doesn't want to put back in the water. And if it means that he needs to retire from the game to do it, I think that's what he's pondering right now. I don't know if this is my worst take or my best take ever. I'm not sure. We'll see how it plays out. Mike is in Eau Claire. Mike, welcome to the show. What's going on? 
Hey, I, that's an interesting take. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Like you said, we'll never know. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping from a show a few days ago, I'm hoping that he's, he's got 20 million reasons that he's thinking about yeah. whether he wants to play for 40 million or 20 million or go, you know, go down to 20 million and let some other guys have their money. I got a friend who is a Brady fan and he throws that in my face daily almost. About how Brady plays for free. I'm like, Giselle made forty-seven million just last year. She's worth four hundred million. Brady can play for free. Yeah. Rogers, he has enough. He does have enough. But I understand wanting to build that nest egg, you know, and plan for a retire a long retirement. If you're going to retire at thirty-seven, yeah, jeez, isn't that, that nuts? Isn't that nuts? But, like football retiring is one thing, but just think about retiring from your job at age thirty-seven. That's that's nuts, and I know football is different, but just being done with your main career at 37 is bizarre. I mean, Shailene Woodley makes pretty good money too, right? So I don't know if you're if you're hitching to that wagon. Maybe you give a little back to the Packers, you'll be okay in the future. I I don't know. Rogers could start a podcast the day he retires, and a bunch of people are going to listen to it and make money off. It's just so easy to make money for these professional athletes who are so public because there's so many different ways to monetize that now. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we're both a little bit right. Hopefully it's about Woodley <laughs> a little bit. And he, yeah. I want him to want it. Just like you said, I want him to want to do that. Don't yeah. do it and then act like you did something really great. Yeah. Do it because you wanted to do it. Yeah. But yeah. I'll let you finish up, man. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Have a good night. That's Mike in Eau Claire, 608-796-2558. I want him to want to take a pay cut. It's like my significant other. I don't want you to ask how you can help around the house. I want you to just do it. I want you to want to do it. See dishes in the, the sink? Do them. Just do them. Don't ask me. How can I help? You shouldn't need to ask me. There's dishes in the sink. You can see them right there. Do it. I want Aaron Rodgers to want to take a pay cut. just bothers me that he hasn't already, honestly. It seems, I don't know. Get all the money you can, I guess, but I don't know. You can deal with the consequences. You've been dealing with them for 11 years. Let's take a break. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show coming up next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Today was fun. Um, yeah, it was fun. We covered a lot of ground today, especially with Badgers basketball. So, podcast will go up just after six o'clock if you want to check out anything that you missed, uh, or maybe you want to go back and hear one part again. It was so good. Or maybe you want to go back and break down that Shailene Woodley take. A lot of details in there to, to really parse through. So maybe one time. <laughs> wasn't enough. 608-796-2558 is the number to hit me up. You can find me at Wisco Grant as well. One story that's got buried the last 24 hours between the Badgers and, you know, real life things going on in Eastern Europe. Troy Aikman's just going to ESPN. And maybe I'm the only one that finds this interesting. I'm, I'm watching a Russian invasion on my laptop last night. I'm watching the Badger game. And then... Andrew Marchand of the New York Post is like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, Troy Aikman's going to ESPN. He's getting paid a pile of money. Five years, $90 million and change with ESPN. I hate that he's going to ESPN. I don't like ESPN. And I, I honestly, I don't even like Aikman that much, but he, he's a good fit at Fox. So now Fox needs a new number one. I'm assuming they're not going to stick Aikman with Steve Levy. So Monday Night Football needs a new one. And remember... Amazon Prime is now carrying Thursday Night Football, so Amazon needs a crew, too. 
Al Michaels is a free agent. Joe Buck could leave, but he'd have to negotiate a way out at Fox. It, it seems like ESPN might try to pull Joe Buck, too. But Joe Buck also calls the World Series. I don't know that he wants to give that up. In interviews, I've always thought that Joe Buck seems very happy with Fox. I don't know. Chris Collinsworth's getting $12.5 million a year. And we assume that Mike Tirico is now going to slide in and work with him. Amazon held talks with current 49ers GM and XTV analyst John Lynch. No deal. Maybe McVay. Maybe they throw a bunch of money at McVay. I, I mean, I think they should. I think that would be smart. Right? Amazon was in striking distance to sign Aikman in recent weeks, but was unable to close, allowing ESPN to swoop in and steal Aikman by surpassing the average annual salary of Tony Romo and CBS's 10-year, $180 million contract. Why does Romo get that much? I know he was fun for like an hour when he started because you would predict plays, but now it just drives me nuts. Never stops talking. Never says anything. He's just ch- chatter, 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 chatter all the time. Hey, Tony, do you even know what's going on? Would you stop and pay attention for a sec before you open your mouth? <sighs> I believe the word is logoria, diarrhea of the mouth. I believe that's what it's called. Aquila and the Bee, very good film with Kiki Palmer. I think that was in the spelling bee in that movie. Anyways, not what we're talking about. So if Aikman's going to get five over 90, what does that make Al Michaels worth as a free agent? And does ESPN want to go with Al Michaels? And what does Fox want to do with their number one booth? I really like Greg Olson, but is Kevin Burhart going to cut the mustard as the number one guy on Fox? I don't know. Who's technically the number two guy on Fox? Ooh, here's a dark horse of a name. What about Tom Brenneman? <laughs> is someone going to pay him to come out of retirement? Maybe maybe you do regional TV in San Francisco. No, probably, probably don't want him there. But this offseason for announcers could be absurd. We could have Joe Buck and Troy Aikman on the move. Al Michaels could end up in a different place. Maybe Romo goes somewhere, and maybe McVeigh's in the booth. Now, not all those guys are um, free agents, but they can agree to terms to be released early. Uh, back on the Packers before we end really quickly. Todd says, hi, G. Hello, T. Uh, I'm getting really turned off by him. He said shortly after the game he would make a quick decision. Green Bay needs to know where he stands so they can structure his contract. But he's starting to do the same thing as last year. I think he knows already, probably for weeks. He probably just likes having a camera in front of him. Yeah, true. Who doesn't? Um, <laughs> uh, Rock and Rick, I don't understand your text. Uh, so sorry, but I'm going to ignore it. Tomorrow. What are we doing tomorrow? What should we talk about tomorrow? I have a couple Packers things that we didn't get to today. The Aaron Jones restructure is interesting. They're obviously trying to make cap space. So they're going to restructure Aaron Jones. But also, I'm not sure that they can afford to lose Aaron Jones. Like, if they saved a bunch of money cutting Aaron Jones, I don't know that they can afford to do that this offseason, given what the rest of the offense looks like. They might be losing MVS. They might lose restricted free agents in Lazard and Tunyon. Devontae Adams is an unrestricted free agent. So now you're left with who? Amari Rogers? Randall Cobb? Randall Cobb's getting cut. Right? You need Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon because they're going to be your one-two running backs. But Aaron Jones might be, if Devontae Adams leaves, who knows? It might be your best receiver, depending on who comes back. So the Aaron Jones restructure is important from a salary cap perspective. But also, they just don't exactly have a lot of playmakers where they can allow Aaron Jones to just leave or or to be cut. They'd be cutting him to save money. That's really not an option until next year. But now they added void years, so now I'm not really sure it's an option at all for a while. So I want to talk about that. I also want to talk about MVS. I think it's an interesting decision whether or not the Packers want to bring him back. And I think MVS is an even more interesting player, uh, prospect, asset, 
potential addition, whatever you want to call him. I think he's even more interesting for the rest of the league. I think there's a lot of contending teams that would be really smart to make a run at MBS tomorrow. We'll talk about why. Enjoy the games tonight. The NBA's back. Bucks aren't back until Saturday, so we got to wait. I'll be back to wrap up the week tomorrow starting at 4. Talk to you then. Shake it up, shake it up.